Welcome, everyone, to another episode of 751. I'm your host, Carter Laren. This is episode 12, and this one might be a good one to watch. Normally, you can just listen to these episodes, and there's not really too much that needs to be seen, although on on this episode, there is some graphics that there are some graphics that may be uh, help you clarify some things. But I'd like to talk today about how the media is handling the Brett Kavanaugh allegations. Now, I've previously I've previously spoken about the allegations themselves, but what's striking me is how they are being handled, and specifically, I'm hearing a lot of comments about always believe. Uh, believe her, always believe accusers. I'm seeing people say, you know, you don't understand how difficult it is to come forward, therefore we must believe her. Uh, If you don't, you know, if you don't care, you know, you would only, you would only not believe her if you don't care. The The subtext and sometimes even the explicit accusation is that if you don't automatically believe her and think that he attempted to rape a woman when he was 17, then you don't, care about victims of sexual assault. And so that's the big that's the big argument that we don't care if uh, we don't automatically believe her because because the media and everyone uh, on Twitter seems to care so much about sexual assault. So I I thought I would look into this because you know there's this concept that they care, that the mainstream media cares so much. And I thought, well, let's figure out what what do the mainstream media really care about? And so I did a kind of an informal study. It's not scientific, but I thought it might be informative. It's a stretch even to call it a study, but I did a little bit of, of research. Now, the question here that I asked was, judging from... Twitter activity alone, does the mainstream media treat allegations against Republicans and Democrats equally? Are they comparative, uh, comparable? Or do they treat them differently somehow? Now, I know a lot of conservatives out there think that it's obvious that the mainstream media treats conservatives worse or, Demo- or Republicans worse. But I'm not a conservative. I'm an anarcho-capitalist. Uh, basically, I'm, I'm always pushing for smaller government, so I don't always agree with conservatives. Conservatives are sometimes pushing for things that aren't smaller government, right? So things like military entanglements, uh, war on drugs, uh, police state monitoring in the name of security. So I don't have exactly the same perspective as a lot of conservatives out there. And so I wanted to do this investigation myself and see, well, we talk about the mainstream. You hear people talk about the mainstream media being biased. Oh, I'll look at a few cases and see if it actually is. So what I did was I chose three mainstream media Twitter accounts to take a look at. CNN, New York Times, and The Washington Post. And I I threw in there, just for fun, I threw in uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein and Kamala Harris because they've been pretty vocal about the Kavanaugh case. So I figured... Take a look at what they've been saying as well. And so I, I looked at those Twitter accounts, and then I ran two comparison studies. And in these studies, I did a keyword search of the accused and accusers' names, and I looked through the resulting Twitter stream for these accounts. And 
I counted the tweets that were obviously discussing the accusations. Now, I didn't do any kind of sentiment analysis to figure out if they were saying, uh, you know, being defensive about the accusations or piling on the accusations. I didn't, I didn't bother to do that. It was a very quick count the tweets that are clearly referencing uh, the accusations. And there may be some tweets I missed in some cases that, uh, that might have talked about it, but it wasn't obvious from the headlines. Now, the theory here, if the mainstream media cares deeply about sexual assault, then cases that have similar prominence of the parties involved, right, so kind of equal fame or importance, uh, similar severity of the accusations against the parties, and similar levels of credibility in terms of the evidence, well, they should have roughly the same amount of coverage uh, as measured by by tweet counts. So that was that was what the theory is that if if caring uh, about sexual accusations is applied universally and equally in a principled manner, then this should be the result. So two cases. Uh, there, there are two comparisons I did. The first one is a comparison between uh, Senator Bob Menendez, who's a Democrat from New Jersey, and Senator or senatorial candidate. Roy Moore, who was a Republican from Alabama. And in both cases, these men were accused of sexual contact with minors. In one case, it was uh, actual prostitution with underage girls, and in another case, it was sexual contact. So those are the accusations. The second comparison I did was I compared the Brett Kavanaugh case to uh, the cases of Al Franken and Keith Ellison. Now, everyone, I think, at this point knows Brett Kavanaugh is the judicial nominee, Trump's judicial nominee right now, uh, so we can call him a Republican. Al Franken, I think a lot of people know Al Franken, both from his, his years as a, as a comedian on Saturday Night Live and elsewhere, but also he was a senator from Minnesota, a Democrat senator from Minnesota. And then Keith Ellison, who is a Democratic, uh, a Democrat representative in Congress, and but also the deputy DNC chair, which is a is an important title. So he's not just any any old Democrat from the House of Representatives. He is also the deputy DNC chair. And all three of these men were accused of some form of assault against a woman. In two cases, it was uh, involving uh, it was a sexual assault, and in one case, it was it was just assault and abuse. So. So those are the two comparisons I did. Again, one between Bob Menendez and Roy Moore, and then one between Brett Kavanaugh and Al Franken and Keith Ellison. So let's go through and see what I found. So again, comparison number one, it's Bob Menendez, senator from, from New Jersey, and Roy Moore, the senatorial candidate from Alabama. And they were both accused of sexual contact with minors. So let's let's take a look. Let's look at the accusations first. Now, Bob Menendez was accused of sex with with minors, specifically hiring underage prostitutes uh, on trips to the Dominican Republic. So it was reported that he and a guy named Dr. Solomon uh, Melgan um, went made made trips to the Dominican Republic and paid for sex with underage prostitutes. So that's the accusation. Not saying whether it's credible or not, that was the accusation. Roy Moore, 
was was accused of sexual contact with minors and sexual assault or inappropriate behavior with women of various ages ranging from, you know, I saw numbers from 14, 16, 18, and 28. Now, the age of consent in Alabama is 16, which seems awfully low. Uh, so at least one of those women would be uh, a minor, and the others not minors, but apparently uh, there was some sexual assault and inappropriate behavior accusations. Now, he had a named accuser, and, and other people came forward. So those are the accusations against Roy Moore, and like I said, the accusations against Bob Menendez were prostitutes, uh, underage prostitution. So let's look at the credibility of these claims. Well, in, in the case of Bob Menendez, there was actually a real Department of Justice investigation. Now, there were claims later uh, that I, I saw in the media that there were, there were claims that some of these women were paid to make these allegations against him. Fine, that may have come out later, but at the time, uh, and, and according to the Department of Justice, and this is a quote, they say there were, quote, specific corroborated allegations that defendants Menendez and Melgan had sex with underage prostitutes in Dominican Republic. So there was an, there was an, an active DOJ investigation into this, and the DOJ viewed these allegations as corroborated and specific. Now, after the investigation, they didn't charge them uh, with any criminal charges related to sex. They did end up indicting them on corruption charges, I think, which were eventually, uh, um, I think, a mistrial or, or something was charged. He didn't. He wasn't uh, convicted, but they did go on to file corruption charges. But they did investigate this, and so there was a real investigation with what what the DOJ called credible allegations uh, and corrobor- sorry, corroborated allegations. Okay. So that's that's pretty credible, right? In Moy Moore's case, uh, well, he did have a named accuser, okay, and several more uh, came forward alleging sexual assault and inappropriate behavior. However, there was never any corroborating evidence produced. There was a yearbook uh, that one of them produced claiming that he had signed it, but she was later proven to have lied about at least Part of the signature was forged that she finally admitted was forged, and she has refused to let any, any signature or handwriting expert analyze it. So we can kind of count that as, as not really corroborating evidence at all. So not as much credibility. Now, I, just to be clear, in both these cases, the, the charges are serious and, and gross and horrible. So we're not minimizing the charges. We're just looking objectively at, you know, what are the accusations and what was the credibility? Okay, so now let's let's look. What do we think? You know, what would we expect from a an honest media? What would we expect the reporting to the from about these to look like? Well, let's let's use the criteria I laid out earlier: the prominence of the two people. Well, Menendez was absolutely more prominent than Roy Moore. You know, Menendez was and is a, a senator sitting senator. Roy Moore was just a candidate. So Menendez acts absolutely more prominent. Severity of accusation. Well, the severity of the accusation uh, is actually worse against Menendez. Both are bad, but sex with underage prostitutes is worse than uh, alleged sexual conduct with an underage person, uh, which is not the same as prostitution. And 
and some and some sexual assault. So I would say we can give the severity of accu- accusation uh, win here, if that's a win at all, to to Bob Menendez, right? So that's that's a worse accusation. Well, let's look at the apparent credibility. Well, I think you'd have to argue that an active DOJ investigation in which the Department of Justice said that there was specific corroborating evidence of this is definitely a higher um, amount of credibility than than some people accused it and lied about a yearbook signature. And some people claimed it. doesn't mean they're wrong. But in terms of credibility, objectively, well, claims against Bob Menendez, I would say, are, are clearly more credible. So the expectation from all this is we would expect way more tweets about Menendez, way more discussion of the Menendez case than discussion of Roy Moore, because he's more prominent, the accusations are worse, and he uh, and the accusations are more credible. Okay, so let's do our quick count. What did we see? Well, CNN, let's start with CNN. Uh, I saw one tweet about the Bob Menendez uh, sexual allegations from CNN. I stopped counting at 150 tweets uh, about the Roy Moore allegations. There, there were more. I just got tired of counting. Okay, uh, let's look at the New York Times. Well, the New York Times tweeted once about the Bob Menendez sexual allegations. And they tweeted 48 times about the Roy Moore allegations. Now, I stopped counting the Roy Moore allegations there uh, after the election in which he lost anyway, because it ceased to become much of a story, although they probably talked about it a little bit more after that. Okay. Next, the Washington Post. Now, I counted 18 tweets that appeared to have or probably had some kind of discussion about the sexual misconduct allegations uh, against Bob Menendez. Now, that's a little bit difficult to tell because there's also corruption charges, so that might be a high count. But let's give the credit where credit's due. Let's say it's 18 and 12 talking about Roy Moore. So Washington Post seemed about equal here, a little bit more Bob Menendez. So surprising to me, I expected them to be just as... uh, skewed as the others. And Feinstein and Kamala Harris didn't uh, talk about this at all. Okay, so what can we conclude from this? In this case, the mainstream media really, really, really cared about what? Did they really, really care about the sexual misconduct? Or did they really, really care about politics? Well, you can use your own judgment. I think it's pretty clear they cared about politics. All right, let's take a look at case, or sorry, the comparison number two, which actually involves three cases. Now, who are these guys in this comparison? Well, Brett Kavanaugh, as I mentioned, Supreme Court nominee, Republican. Al Franken, prominent senator and celebrity in his own right, Democrat from Minnesota. And Keith Ellison, again, representative, Democrat representative, but also the deputy DNC chair. So position of prominence and of power. 
and power. As I mentioned, the, all three of them accused of some sort of assault against a woman. Let's look at the accusations and the credibility of those accusations. First, against Brett Kavanaugh. I know I just spoke about it in the previous episode, but to recap, he was accused of sexual assault, uh, attempted rape. Let's look at the credibility. Well, he has one named accuser. She has a vague recollection because it was over 36 years ago. So understandably vague recollection, but vague nonetheless. She does have recent therapy records. Again, they're recent, 2012, relatively recent therapy records, but they also contradict some of what she's saying. There's one witness who she named. That witness denies anything happened. She gives no specific date, so there's no way for Kavanaugh to possibly demonstrate his innocence. It's not like he can say, oh, it was the night of June 23rd while I was, you know, here I was in a different state on the night of June 23rd or whatever. He can't prove he wasn't there or anything because she doesn't really say exactly where it is or when it is. And there's no other corroborating evidence at all provided here. So that's the case against Brett Kavanaugh. Case against Al Franken. Well, he was accused of sexual assault. This is an easy one. Uh, he had a named accuser, one named accuser at first, then seven more came forward later at least. There may have been more. But the credibility here is extremely high because there is photographic proof of the allegation. So I would say that's, that's pretty solid. He also later admitted it. Okay, let's look at Keith Allison. Keith Allison was accused of uh, both verbal and physical abuse. Now, the accuser is, let's look at the, the, the credibility here. Who's the accuser? Well, the accuser is his ex-girlfriend. This is recent. Okay, so this isn't from 30 years ago. This is recent. His accuser is his ex-girlfriend. She has medical records, therapy records. She claims to have, well, she does have some text that kind of texts that allude to something, but not really any kind of smoking gun texts that I've seen, but she claims to have more texts and to have video. Now, she hasn't produced those, but certainly if there were an investigation, presumably those could be obtained. So that's pretty high credibility. It's not Al Franken credibility, but it's uh, it's pretty high in terms of the the accusations and the credibility of them against the deputy DNC chair. So, let's compare these on our scale. Well, I think the the prominence of Al Franken and Allison, I, I would argue they're comparable to, to Kavanaugh. Al Franken is certainly more prominent and famous than Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh's now more famous than than Keith Ellison. You could argue that Kavanaugh is, this is an arguably more important situation because he's going to be a Supreme Court justice, not a senator. So that's a fair point. But I'm throwing them in the category of somewhat comparable. I'm not saying that, you know, one is, is a lot more comparable than the other. Okay, the severity of the accusations. I would say they're all pretty comparable, right? Brett Kavanaugh's accused of, uh, of holding a girl down and groping her. Uh, Al Franken was accused of groping a woman 
while she was unconscious or sleeping. And, uh, and Allison was accused of physical assault. So they're all pretty comparable, roughly. Credibility. Well, certainly the credibility in the Al Franken and Keith Allison cases is much higher than the credibility in the Kavanaugh case. Again, doesn't mean doesn't mean the Kavanaugh case isn't true, but from the data that we have, the credibility appears to be uh, more on the side of both Allison and Al Franken. Now, the last thing I looked at here, because we're going to compare tweets, is uh, the time frame of the story. The Al Franken story went on for about a month. The Keith Allison story has been going on for a month, at least. So, uh, and, and the Kavanaugh story has been—it's been less than a week. So, I would argue that just based on the story of the, the kind of the time frame of the story, we would expect if they were all treated equally, we would expect about four times as many tweets about Ellison and Franken as we as we see from Kavanaugh, because there's been a fraction of the time on the Kavanaugh side. And the par- credibility is higher on the Franken and Ellison side, and, and I'm arguing the other, the other stuff is relatively comparable. So let's take a look at what we see. Those were the expectations. Well, CNN. CNN has uh, tweeted about the allegations against Brett Kavanaugh 42 times so far. Now, probably more since I since I made this presentation, but 42 times so far. Now, if we multiply that by four, just to give an, a, a kind of a, an apples-to-apples comparison between cases, that's the equivalent of 168 tweets in a month time frame, which is the, the length of the other two cases, or the, at least the length that they were in the, in the news. So... So CNN, 42 times, which is the equivalent of 168. Al Franken, they talked about Al Franken uh, 64 times. And they tweeted about Keith Ellison once. Okay, so it's Brett Kavanaugh with 42 tweets in less than a week. So the equivalent of 168 in a month. Al Franken, 64. Keith Ellison, 1. So that's, the, that's CNN. New York Times. New York Times tweeted about Brett Kavanaugh's sexual allegations 16 times so far. That's 64 times if we scale it up to a month. They tweeted about Al Franken 25 times in a month. And they tweeted about Keith Ellison's allegations twice. Okay. By the way, I'm sorry, when I said they tweeted about Al Franken 25 times, I mean they tweeted about Al Franken's the, the accusations against him, using the same standard for all of these. So 16 or 64 times scaled up for Kavanaugh, 25 times for Al Franken, twice for Keith Ellison. Okay. The Washington Post. The Washington Post has tweeted so far 63 times about Brett Kavanaugh in less than a week. That scales up to 252 times in a month. They tweeted in in the month about Al Franken, they tweeted 60 times. So they've already tweeted more about Brett Kavanaugh in less than a week than they tweeted about Al Franken's charges in in an entire month. And how often did they talk about Keith Ellison's charges? Once. Uh, One time is how often the Washington Post tweeted about 
Keith Ellison. Okay, in this case, actually, Diane Feinstein and Kamala Harris actually had some activity. Feinstein has tweeted about Brett Kavanaugh four times already. I scaled up that would be sixteen, or sorry, uh, yeah, that would be sixteen, obviously in in uh, in a month. So she's tweeted so t- so far four times about the allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. She tweeted once against uh, about the allegations against Al Franken, and actually that tweet is quite interesting, I think, because it's it's compared to what she says about Kavanaugh, it's quite interesting. She says about Franken, she doesn't say anything about him being bad or he did anything. She says, it's clear the American people don't look lightly on these kind of actions, no matter who they're committed by. And the number of complaints against Senator Franken is a concern. I think resignation resignation is the right thing to do. So she calls for his resignation, but certainly it's, it's pretty mild and, and not very... Uh, she's kind of saying, well, the American people care about it. And the number of complaints is kind of a concern. So certainly not very critical. So she, that was her only tweet about Al Franken. And she tweeted about Keith Ellison uh, zero times, the allegations against him. Actually, about him at all, zero times. Senator Harris, she has tweeted once so far about Brett Kavanaugh. Obviously, you could multiply that up uh, to four, but it's kind of, since she's only done it once, I don't, I don't feel comfortable multiplying it up and saying it's four times in a month because she may only tweet once about it. Uh, and she tweeted once about Al Franken and not at all about Keith Ellison. Okay, so remember, our expectation here, right, was four times as many tweets um, about Al Franken and Keith Ellison than Brett Kavanaugh. So that was our expectation. These are the results. So what does this say? In this case, does the mainstream media really, really care about what? Sexual misconduct or politics? Well, again, you may draw your own conclusions, but I'm going to check the politics box on this one. I think it's pretty clear. Now, as a reminder, I didn't do sentiment analysis on these tweets, right? That would, you know, I don't have time and a research team to do that. Also, the comparison between the cases is somewhat subjective. You can you can make arguments either way on some of these. And you can make an argument that maybe um, simply multiplying up a week's worth of tweets by four to compare it to a month's worth of tweets kind of assumes a linear uh linearity uh, in the news cycle somehow. Could be wrong. I didn't study the linearity of uh, Al Franken or Keith Ellison tweets. Keith Ellison tweets, you you can't really study the linearity of them uh, or the release of them because there was only uh, a handful. But I didn't study the Al Franken ones. But from my recollection, they're, they're pretty spread out over that month. So, again, you can draw your own conclusions here. But I think it's pretty clear that if the media actually cared about sexual allegations, and that was their big concern, assault allegations, they would report on these cases equally. There would be comparable amount of coverage between the cases that are comparable. They would focus on facts. 
right? The severity of allegations uh, are not evidence of veracity, so they wouldn't treat them that way. I get the severity of allegations are perhaps uh, more severe allegations maybe are more newsworthy. I get that. And I included that in this study, right? That was one of the um, that was one of the criteria I looked at. They would also, I, I think, recognize that women are powerful. And what I mean by that is, you know, women aren't automatically victims with no agency. Sometimes they're victims, and they're taken advantage of, and they're abused. Sometimes, just like men, they're liars. Women can be bad, too. They're not only good little snowflakes who only have things happen to them in the world. Women are powerful human beings just like men. And they are capable of lying just like men. It doesn't mean that these women are lying because women do suffer from sexual abuse at the hands of men. That happens. But we can't always just automatically assume because a woman says something, it's true. That's sexist. And incidentally goes against the narrative that uh, gender is a social construct. The last point I would make is the media would, if they really cared about this, they would treat people as innocent until proven guilty because that's the right thing to do. If they were objective here, that's how they would treat all these cases. It doesn't mean they wouldn't talk about them and say, this is the accusation. Let's look for some corroborating evidence. Let's investigate. That's fine. But the idea of, you know, I've, I've had it suggested to me that the idea of innocent until proven guilty, and actually this is funny because it was a lawyer who suggested this, the, the idea of innocent until proven guilty, well, that's only a legal standard. Right? I guess for lawyers there's no such thing as morality and everything is a legal standard. Uh, I guess the few lawyers that I like can be accepted from that. But, um, you know, it's innocent until proven guilty is a moral standard. It may also be the basis of our legal system. Um, but that's a moral standard. Right? If it's not, if we don't have that as a moral standard, then we're creating a world in which the biggest and boldest liars can manipulate us all. Thanks again for watching and listening. As always, please visit 751.com to support the show. That's S-E-V-E-N-F-I-F-T-Y-O-N-E, 751, all spelled out, dot com. You can also go to Patreon slash Unsafe Space to support the show. And please like, uh, subscribe on YouTube. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at 9until8. It's the number 9, the word until, all lowercase, and the number 8, 9until8. And follow us there. Let me know what you think. Love some feedback, good or bad. And I will talk to you all again next time. Thanks.